This is Paul. This is Wayne. Guys, are you are are you are you are you are you drunk? Are you hungover? Are you having a hard time after your day long Batman Day celebrations? I'm none of those things. Yeah, I did nothing to celebrate. Just like Batman would. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's like a Jehovah's Witness. You know, he just uh, Actually, he doesn't yes, observe he holidays observe. and things. I sat there in self-loathing and loathing and brooded for a while. That's how I celebrate yeah. Batman Day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spent too much money on 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 things. Uh-huh. I did get a I did get a Joker shirt in though that I bought during DC Fandom. I don't I don't feel like Batman would have made that choice. Are you are you, True. you, mean you bought it during the Fandom? <laughs> I did, and it just showed up yesterday on Batman Day. Batman Day. Nice. Well. You know, since we're talking about Batman Day, it's it, it, words. The words escape me. Him and him and him. So DC Universe. You know, we we talked about how the DC Universe app kind of sucks, but has some good content. Had some good original shows like Titans, Doom Patrol, Harley Quinn, and you know the the writing has been on the wall for a while. And what's weird is DC has made some large announcements outside of the fandom. Uh, including this week announcing that DC Universe is going to be transforming into DC Universe Infinite. Um, So, you know, basically on January 21st, 2021, DC Universe will be moving away from the streaming content. So you'll basically, you know, lift and shift all that content, that premium, those premium shows to HBO Max. Well, and I, and I hope that, you know, they said all of it in the article, and I truly hope that that means all of it. Like, all those documentaries, all those little one-off videos that they've got there, uh, all move over to HBO Max. There's no reason why they shouldn't. I just hope they do. I hope some some uh, non-genre executive isn't going, oh, we don't need all this crap. We just need, you know, the sure. Zack Snyder stuff. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a concern, right? I mean, because yeah. there's, there's a ton of, like, DC Daily and documentaries and classic cartoons. And is all that stuff going to move over? Or is it gonna just going to be... The shows that are continuing, like Young Justice, well, and, Titans, Doom yeah. Patrol, and Stargirl. There and was also, a great show that was just going through episodes of Grant Morrison's Swamp Thing and making fun of them. Well, and also a concern is, will you have that same kind of curated content development that is niche for the fan? You know, and I, I, I one of my concerns is if there's going to be no video element in the new uh, app, you know, for for the you know comics uh, piece of it, if there's not going to be a video component there, do we lose all that newly generated content that's DC centric? Because some of that stuff, I mean, like the, I forget what it's called now, but you know, there's a whole series of creators in comic shops talking about you know how they got into comics and you know their their first you know books, the books that made them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love that stuff. I mean, there's one with uh, Lynn Ween, I'm sorry, Marv Wolfman and uh, Greg Rucka that is terrific. Um, I want to continue seeing that kind of stuff, and I hope that that continues its uh, its creation over in HBO Max. I fear it won't. I, I do too. You know, I feel like yeah. HBO Max is is really made for a streaming service. You know, for streaming yeah. uh, original content, not for streaming short form videos well, and supplemental material right well, yeah, i think all sh- that stuff's gone 
and for for streaming to a mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. And that's what concerns me is is that you'll just get the the big tentpole pieces uh, as opposed to all the all that you know terrific you know just wild weird content uh, that I was really enjoying over there. Yeah. I tell you what does excite me about the announcement though. They're going to be expanding the digital comics on this new, uh, right. yeah, what do they call it? DC Universe Inf- Infinite? Infinite? Yes. And it looks like they're going to be doing the whole, you know, basically every book that they release is going to come out six months later on digital. Which is fantastic. And, yeah. you know, that's that's print comics, right? Print comics will go to DC Universe Infinite six months after they hit stores, you know, to respect comic book stores. But digital first content will hit, um, it says earlier access to new digital first comics, like all the, you know, the recently released dollar books uh, that they're still publishing, Deceased, Hope at World's End, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, um, Injustice Year Zero, uh, the black and white books. Uh, so those, I, I'm assuming, will be day and date or something equivalent. Uh, well, I will say DC Universe doesn't have a good track record when they say, oh, yeah, we're going to give you fair. this stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, because, point. you know, they, they promised us those animated features. And, and I'm acting like I'm a, I'm a DC Universe subscriber. I am not. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they made those promises and, you know, I... Paul, I, I I have recordings of you telling me how you didn't get day and day on those yeah. features. I mean, just well, for like seemed, one or two movies. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed like they started that way and then realized how much money they were going to lose and then stopped. Yeah. Well, like, and right that's, away. that's what I wonder about the comics, because, you know, when you tell me uh, six months after pub, uh, after print publication, we're going to add those comics into the app. Do I really need to buy digital comics from DC anymore? Or do I spend my $10 a month or whatever the, the fee is uh, and have that subscription? I mean, I, I, that, that is a question I'm asking myself because I spend an F ton of money each month on DC comics. Yeah. Well, well and it's well, like, but what can you wait for gonna, six months on, essentially? Yeah. It's well, not going to impact any of the major titles. We're still going to be buying like Batman and things as they come out because we talk about them. But. I might start reading books that I don't read normally or I read, but we don't talk about on the podcast because I can let those get a little behind. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think this could really impact my, my purchasing. And this is one of those things I've always kind of wondered about a, you know, a digital archive. I'm very excited about, you know, a big digital archive. And I understand that DC is, is putting more efforts into putting a lot of the older stuff. Like there is a ton of of uh, you know pre Flashpoint Superman stories that are just not available digitally, you know, I mean tons of books that are not available digitally. Well, uh, you start adding like, that stuff, I'm going to be a subscriber. Well, it seems like this is basically the same thing that Marvel does with their Unlimited, but that's not keeping us from buying Marvel books. Yeah. Well, Marvel not putting out very many good books is keeping us from buying Marvel fair books. Fair point. Well, we're going to talk about right. two today. Shocker. Multiple Marvel books. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, when, when it was first announced, I'm like, you know what? I don't know that I'm going to do it because I don't have a lot of time to read legacy titles. Um, you know, six months old, stuff like that. But, you know, I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to go ahead and give D- I'm going to say this now. I'm going to go ahead and roll my DC Universe account. Give it a year. If you're an existing subscriber... 
if you renew uh, at the monthly rate, you get a $10 DC shop voucher, or if you renew for the annual subscription, you get a $25 DC shop voucher um, when you join at launch. And so I'm like, you know what? I'll, I've already, I'm already paying the annual fee. I'll just pay the annual fee, get my $25 voucher. So it essentially averages out to about 50 bucks for unlimited DC comics um, in 2021. Uh, there, it's going to be available, you know, in on my you know all the places it, it's already available for comic reading like my ipad uh, on mm -hmm. january 21st um and uh they they you can actually download comics you, it's not just reading them online you'll actually be able to download them for offline reading which i don't know yeah i guess it currently you can has do that. that with you can do that with the existing because i do that okay yeah you can do it with with uh the the comiXology app as well as the uh marvel unlimited app well, one thing that interests me that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in some of these features, right? So um, the ability to create your own reading lists. I'm wondering if that's like your own playlist. It, it, and, and I feel like this is something that Comixology suffers. And it would be great uh -huh. if I had the entire crossover in one reading list kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what I love about the DC Universe one is it has some of those lists already. Mm -hmm. So like for the major events, it already has that event. And it has all the books from the different titles in the right order. So if you can do things like that and make your own list, I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm, it, starting in October, DC Universe subscribers can confirm if they want to continue to their DC Universe Infinite account um, or cancel. And any subscriber who confirms or maintains their account will get that that voucher. And starting in October, you can also sign up for DC Universe Infinite. And so when you know when when the thing launches or gets closer to time, we will certainly talk more about it. Um, very interested in seeing what kind of content they have. If you get the annual subscription, it averages to about six dollars and twenty five cents uh, a month. Yeah, which is yeah, which is a big comic. I mean, that's a. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's a really good deal. It's less yeah, than the cost of Detective there. Comics ten twenty seven that came out this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I don't really. I don't. I'm not using it a lot lately. But for a while there, I was using it heavily when new comics weren't coming out. Mm -hmm. I was reading a bunch of storylines that I never read using specifically their lists where I could read across the all the different books that were part of the crossovers. Yeah, I you know, I have always wanted uh, DC to, to really get into that digital archive. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm excited about it. Uh, you know, I I. I am not surprised about the move to HBO Max for their video content. Uh, you know, we've been talking about that for a yeah. long time. But I am, I am, I'm very happy that they're not abandoning the reader. Um, so I, I think, I think this is this is a good move. I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. They're trying to go with the Netflix model. Um, yeah, and I think that's the wave of the future for comics. It is. I, I just, but unfortunately, not with the direct market still forcing them to go six months late, you know? Yeah. Like if you want to talk about three jokers or the Joker war, um, you basically still have to buy it day and date when it comes out. Um, Cause you don't right. want to be six weeks, six months behind on big events like those. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. unless you don't care, unless you don't care. Cause I think Aaron's about to say he doesn't care anymore about the Joker war. <laughs> uh, so Batman issue 99 came out this week <laughs> the penultimate chapter of the Joker War one more issue to go the big Batman issue 100 uh, in two weeks I think I think it's a bi-weekly um, so Aaron what did you think of Batman issue 99 you know I, I hated this book 
I think I think the artwork was lovely. I, I really do. I think the artwork was was just amazing on the book. But I am I I, I finished this book. And I'm like I don't think Batman's a hero. And I that, this book really pointed that out to me that that Batman's not a good guy because good guys learn from their mistakes. Good guys grow beyond uh, beyond mm-hmm. their errors. And Batman doesn't. Batman continue. Batman's like Reed Richards. He ha- he continues to perform the same error over and over again. And you know there there is that that uh, panel towards the end of the book where I'm sorry, it's not towards the end of the book. It's actually earlier in the book when he kind of reunites with his family. And you know he's like, I should have brought you guys in sooner. You know that's my bad. I should have done it. And in fact, it says here. I should have brought you in from the beginning. The last year has been hard, but I think I'm seeing clearly for the first time in a long time. I'm sorry I haven't been better. I have to be. I will be. You could take this panel from any number of Mm -hmm. other Batman stories. And, you know, most of those stories are still in continuity. I mean, so you can't just blame it on reboots. And most of those have had this conversation. Yeah. And when I hit that panel, I'm like, fuck you, Batman. <laughs> you know, I mean, Batman is I, I, seriously, I, I, I truly believe that he's not a hero. I think that he does some some things that you can call heroic, but he is he is neither noble nor is he a caring, loving person. I mean, he is he is a terrible human being. He continues to damage the people around him, and he continues not to bend his moral code when clearly uh, his decisions have resulted in the deaths of countless others. The fact that he has not dealt definitively with the Joker um, has has meant hundreds of innocent people have had to die. Batman's a terrible, terrible human being. He really is. At some point, you, a, a hero would say, you know what? My value system tells me that that killing someone is wrong, but clearly our judicial system cannot handle the Joker, and you kill him. I, I, I mean, I feel I, like we're having a core concept discussion here, Aaron. It is a core concept discussion. Yeah. I'm sorry. I writers keep going back to this where where you know Batman is. Oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I should have included you guys from the beginning. And I do find that conversation stupid, right? Like how many, like we, we've seen that at least we saw it in the Tom King arc. We saw it in the Scott Snyder arc. Like how many times oh, yeah. does Batman in first, and here's the funny thing. I didn't think he was <laughs> alienating his family. <laughs> it's like, have I missed something? Like I just kind of assumed they were doing yeah, their own thing. <laughs> no, don't you remember the, one of the last big issues where he, they all come and they have the conversation after Alfred's death. And oh, each yeah. one walks out on him and gives them a piece of their mind. All that shit runs together for me. It's all the same story. <laughs> because it's the same story. It's yeah. the same cycle over and over again. He pushes them all away. Something major happens and he has to call them back. And he apologizes. He tells them he's going to be better. They bring the family back together. And then it all starts over again. It's the same damn story over and over and over again. I'm pretty sick of that story. I want to see something different. Well, I feel I like don't what... want to see jo- I don't want to see Batman kill Joker though. I don't want him to cross that line because for me, once he does that, that's the end of Batman. He walks away and he never puts the cowl on again because he has crossed his own line. 
And I think that's where you trend, you transition your character. You know, the next time they want somebody else to be Batman, Batman kills the Joker and he walks away and you get yeah. a new Batman. But I think I what we're going to get instead, I think we're going to get Harley killing the Joker in the next issue. I feel like that's what this issue has set up. Mm-hmm. Is that Harley? I mean, she pretty much says it. She's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and Yeah, no, she absolutely does. And I, I enjoyed that scene. Here's the thing. I enjoyed the other characters in, in this book. Um, I just, I, I, I am so sick of Batman and his whining. Yeah. You know, I mean, God, Batman, just put on your big boy pants and take care of the situation. Because, yeah. you know, if, if there is a non-lethal solution right to the joker batman should be able to figure that out i mean yeah. why not okay we're not going to kill him we'll put him in suspended animation let's launch or, joker into space like we did the hulk or his own <laughs> cage like batman yeah. put the batman who laughs in a cage why didn't yeah, he do that with joker i don't get it i mean the, it, it, if there is a solution batman's a problem solver he should do it yeah i will say the one thing i like about the storyline though is harley i think this is a harley like character development storyline. Mm-hmm. You saw Harley get her throat slashed and she had to come back. She saves Batman at one point. And if Harley is the one to kill Joker, that is a great Harley moment. You know, that is a Harley character development moment. And what I like about Harley in this series, this isn't the slapstick Harley that we get in like her books. This isn't the over the top, you know, Deadpool like Harley. This is a, you know, shit got real Harley. Mm-hmm. Very different type of Harley than we get in her regular books. Yeah. But it's the kind of Harley I tend to like. Yeah. You know, I think this that's the one thing I like about the storyline is I like the Harley moments. Other than that, I'm sick of the story. And I've, I would have been out a few issues ago, but I'm seeing it through to the end. Because I'm a Joker fan. I'm enjoying the Harley stuff. Kind of sick of Batman in this story. Uh-huh. But... That last couple, the last uh, couple panels, I think, will lead to hopefully an interesting development in the next issue. We'll see. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. It's one more issue. Um, and so, Paul, what'd you think? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. You know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's this issue. I will say, I feel like, and I think we said this in the last issue. I would have enjoyed this more if this was part three of the arc instead of part yeah. whatever five. Um, I feel like the fir- like they they straight up wasted two issues of such a, a pivot of, of an arc that of an arc that they call pivotal, even though we've seen every uh, every bit of this before. Um, well, and it's it's super frustrating that in every piece of this arc and with the tie-ins, Joker's everywhere. Yeah, and Batman's everywhere. Yeah. You know, and Bat, like, we didn't talk about Nightwing. Uh, did we talk about Nightwing last week? I no. don't recall. But, you know, in Nightwing, Batman shows up on the scene like he hasn't been doped out of his mind in the pages of Batman. And I'm sitting there going, I, I don't understand how any of this is working. And, you know, the reality is, is neither do the writers. <laughs> you know? The Batgirl issues don't really fit with the no. Nightwing issues. No, they sure don't. And again, Joker's everywhere. Yeah. You know, which means there's probably, instead of three Jokers, there's probably like 900 Jokers. I, it, I, I gotta tell you, it's this, I find this, thro- this uh, story arc very frustrating. Agreed. 
you know, I, 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 I'm ready for it to be over. Um, now, the only thing that I will, the, the positive that I will say on this book is, you know, and I've, I've said it on every issue, uh, the art. Jorge Jimenez um, oh, it's gorgeous. has such a distinctive style. And there are, there's two pages that are wordless pages, which maybe is why I like them so much. Um, you know, they're, they're full page spreads of Batman landing at Ace Chemicals and walking up. And it is, you know, normally this is something that would just be, you know, both of those would just be panels on a page. But he takes a moment to make basically full play, full page splashes. And I think they're gorgeous. They are absolutely gorgeous. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think Batman 100 will be interesting. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. If, if it's good, I'll continue into Batman 101 to see what the new status quo looks like. But they've... They've got to end this stronger than they've been telling the story so far. Yeah, what? and I I want a new creative team on both this and Nightwing. So I really enjoyed Nightwing for a while until they went down the the Rick route. I love that he's back in the Nightwing costume now, but it's time for a new blood on there. And there's nothing against the writer that's on there. I just haven't liked Isn't his... it Dan Jurgens writing it? I think it's Dan Jurgens writing. Yeah. yeah. And you know I... how big of a fan I am of Dan Jurgens. I want him to do something. I don't want him doing Nightwing right now, though. Well, I feel like we're going to have a very similar conversation about a couple books today, actually. Well, not not on Thor number seven. I, you know, I, go ahead. I I got to tell you, Thor was my book of the week. I freaking loved this issue. I, I did I, too. God, I loved this book. <laughs> so I loved Thor number seven, but I, I don't know my my frustrations with Thor. And it's a minor frustration because the book is so well told with beautiful mm-hmm. art, great character moments, lots of fun and humor. My frustration with Thor number seven is, God damn it, he just got his hammer back. Like, right. <laughs> like yeah. six yeah, months I, ago, that, you know? Yeah. So, the book opens up with Thor having cast Mjolnir uh, down to Broxton, Oklahoma, which, it, you know, for uh, longtime readers will recall, that's where uh, Asgard lived for a while. Um I agree, Paul, because we've had this Mjolnir issue for a while. I mean, even in the in the pages of Jane Foster, Thor, um, you know, Mjolnir talked to her and it never talked to Thor. So, I mean, you know, there's this whole mystique around Mjolnir. Uh, Thor was unworthy, which is why Jane Foster wound up with the hammer uh, for so for so long, because Thor wasn't worthy to hold it. Um, and now, you know, he's finding that the hammer is getting heavier and heavier and there's something weird about Mjolnir, but it's not him, which I find interesting, even though he did all kinds of weird shit with Galactus, which, you know, I was like, are we unworthy again? What the hell? (laughs) That's what I thought until he said that anyone can pick it up except him now. And if that's the case with this really good conversation with Beta Ray Bill, Uh which was one of the highlights of the book for me, why didn't he give Bill Mjolnir? I, I, same. I was thinking the same thing, but you know, I, we have talked before, uh, Aaron Cooter is not one of my favorite artists, but I don't know what it was about this book, but this book was brilliantly drawn. Uh, I loved every single page. It is so challenging to draw beta Ray bill, um, because he's such a, he, you know, he's, he's based on a cow, <laughs> right. And to make him look cool, you know, a character based on a cow, uh, this book was beautiful. There's a there is a a panel where Bill is standing in front of the hearth in uh, uh, Thor's hall, and it's just gorgeous. 
it's just a gorgeous page. Um, I, I, I can't begin to tell you how, how, how much I enjoyed the visual storytelling and enjoyed the moments between Bill and Thor. You know, and, and Bill's got issues with Thor because in yeah. the Galactus story, Thor destroyed Stormbringer, uh, Bill's hammer. Um, but, you know, their, their conversation, like it, the tension you can feel. While you're reading it, you can just feel the tension. Yeah. When uh, Thor says he wants to have a drink with a friend, Bill's answer is, a drink does sound necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Not nice. Necessary. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, that that was a fun, a good moment in this book. Uh, you know, before we talked on the podcast, uh, I, you know, I, I put out on our, you know, we have a little group chat. And I said, I'm looking forward to talking about Donny Cates, because Donny Cates is the current writer on Thor, he's the current writer on Venom, he previously wrote Guardians of the Galaxy, Silver Surfer Black, and, you know, I'm starting to see that Donny Cates has been planting seeds all along Mm -hmm. for, you know, he's clearly got plans in place and he and i haven't been following his work um not be not that he's bad but i think you know some his work hasn't it's not like it's grabbed me in the same way a jonathan hickman would but i feel like donny cates is trying to do a jonathan hickman in Mm -hmm. that you know ever since whether it's his stuff in venom whether it's his work on guardian the previous volume of guardians of the galaxy which is referenced in this book um you know he's he's clearly setting up for some future event um, whether it's the King in Black or something beyond that that involves Thanos getting the Infinity Stones and attaching them to Mjolnir. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's, you know, he, he's got this plan and I just, I'm, it makes me curious to revisit some of these stories that I just haven't read because we've been out on Marvel for the most part um, right. other than a select few books to say, okay, well, let me, let me re- check out that Guardians of the Galaxy volume to see the threads that he was planting there that, you know, involve this or, you know, Venom. Like, it all seems tied together. Uh, Null, which was in Silver Surfer Black, is the big baddie in King in Black, which is uh, Marvel's big event book in December. So there's all... Which apparently does not involve Black Bolt. And it does, well, he he is not the King in Black of, uh, you know, that's referenced in the title, but he may be in the book. You don't know. Yeah, that, it is a horrible day before the crossover because it immediately made me think of all the King crossovers they had done, oh, and I thought King it was of, a Black yeah. Bolt book. I thought it was a Black Bolt book too coming up. So we also saw something. As far as I know, this is a new ability that I haven't seen him use before, at least, of Thor being able to write messages on Majolner. <laughs> well, it's it's part of the Odin power, right? Because Odin could do that. So now that Thor is the All Father. That he makes has. sense because we have yeah. seen Odin do it, but I'd never seen yeah. Thor do it before this issue. Well, I, I, I love, you know, he throws Mjolnir back to Broxton and it, you know, just as it as happened in the uh, Straczynski Thor book and in the, in the big Thor reboot, you know, it lands in a crater in uh, Broxton and there's writing on the side. We don't see the writing at first, but this, this guy goes, huh? And you know, the guy who finds it makes a phone call. Well, uh, the the writing on the hammer is call Tony Stark at two one two nine seven zero four one three three, a number that works. You can get uh, Tony Stark's voicemail. It is hysterical. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm really sort of amused by that because when they collect this, you know that the this will be out there into perpetuity is marvel comics going to hold on to that phone number forever with a voicemail on it (laughs) and it's not the first time they did that they apparently did that with and i didn't know until reading articles around this 
in one of the Marvel movies, you see Captain America's phone number for a minute. Mm. And they did a message there, too. I wonder if they held on to that into perpetuity. I, I'm, I'm just very curious about that, because how would you feel being being the guy who, you know, gets Tony Stark's uh, phone number, you know, five years down the line and, you know, people still call? Because <laughs> I added it. I added it to my iPhone contact list. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you need to account. just in case. Yeah. You just never know if you got to talk to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> So Thor number seven, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I got caught up because I I, I had not read issue six yet. Um, you know, I'm looking for. I, I I think this will be a fun story arc, but you know, I, I just I don't want to wallow in Thor's self-loathing, Mjolnir, different owner again, right? Because we spent so yeah. long in that and just but just you know, got out of it. <laughs> it feels like Thor has a plan. Yeah, it does. Right? I, and so it felt different to me. I, I didn't, I, on the one hand, when, you know, you're going, God, are we unworthy again? God damn it. Uh, but, you know, it, it feels like he has a plan, you know, because he he was actually thinking through some things. And in true, you know, all father style, he doesn't let Bill in on his plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I do like that, you know, Bill's shopping for uh, for something to, to fight with. And I, and I hope that it's really cool. I hope that we get to see a moment where, you know, Thor gets to Im- imbue a little Odin power into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, th- this reminds me. Remember when uh, we were hunting for Ultimate Thor's hammer in the 616? Yeah. yeah. It got cast away and and we haven't seen it since. Unless there's, you know, unless there's a book out there that I'm unaware of. But we certainly haven't seen it in the pages of Thor. Yeah, I mean nothing that so we've read anyway, right? Yeah, because the last thing I saw was that uh, you know the War Thor, you know Volstag was the last one to hold it, and it got cast away. It wasn't destroyed. Yeah, yeah, good point. Hmm. So I and you know I, I I could see you know that hammer turning back up. I want that hammer to turn back up. I mean, it basically was Stormbringer. Yeah, Stormbreaker, Breaker. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to see him get the Bill get that one. I would have, like I say, I still would have liked to have seen Thor give him Mjolnir while the while dealing with this storyline. I don't want another new character as Thor. Well, I don't think they're going to leave it with this guy. I think the people are talking about that, like that's what's going to happen. I think it's just a case of he picked it up and he turned in there. But yeah, the whole calling Tony, I yeah, I do not care for the design, the the costume design. It just seems very, uh, you know. Cosplayish. Well, and, and it just doesn't. It it it's not evocative of uh, you know some of the other. It, God, I'm trying to think of how I want how, how I want to say this. It's just not cool. How about that? It's just not a cool design. You know, it, like you said, it just look, it looks like something somebody just put on. And you know, you remember when we see Beta Ray Bill pick up Mjolnir for the first time and he bursts into his version of the Thor costume? You're like, Jesus Christ, that is awesome. Yeah, I think uh, we missed an awesome moment that could have yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the message was for Tony. It changes to pick it up. I think Thor meant for Tony to pick it up. And it would have been an interesting design to see the Iron Man armor oh, yeah. infused yeah. with the power of Thor. Yeah, no, I agree. So uh, yeah, the, the only downside of the book was was the new Thor's character design, uh, costume design. Uh, but other than that, I loved it. I just I, it was a gorgeous book. I laughed out loud. It was a nice mood change from reading the Batman book. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just it felt fresh. And, well, that's and what, what I, I really what I really enjoyed about it was we had this whole big Thor arc with Galactus where he crossed some lines and he did some things right. and they didn't forget it. We see, you know, Beta Ray Bill gets a whole half of this issue. Mm-hmm. That conversation, that trying to mend fences, that was something that needed to happen that I never expected we would have happen. I thought maybe we'd get a panel or two, but he gave us a full conversation between the two and amending offenses and you know apologies and things no i agree i mm. i i think it, it was a nice little bit of breathing space while also queuing up the next story i enjoyed this book a great deal me too so you know paul said earlier in the week hey i'm gonna read iron man number one and i was like huh <laughs> iron man number one i I I have enjoyed Iron Heart. <laughs> well, and um, I missed out on Dan Slott's run. I, I think I read the first issue. You didn't but, miss anything. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. Uh, Dan Slott is not an Iron Man writer, in my opinion. Um, which is which is why I guess that run did not last for very long. Yeah. Um. I uh. I Iron Man. I feel like everyone has uh, on the Iron Man books has been trying to recapture the energy of Matt Fraction, you know, and just every every iteration of Iron Man since then, with with a few exceptions, like Infamous Iron Man, when Doctor Doom became Iron Man, uh, that, that, those books were terrific. But I feel like, uh, for the most part, writers jumping on the Iron Man book are trying to recapture Matt Fraction's run. Yeah. Um, and just have been wildly unsuccessful. Um, one of the things that drives me crazy about Iron Man is the constant uh, reinventing himself, uh, the writer reinventing the character, and reinventing you know armors and whatnot, and you know, let's let's continue to advance the armor. And don't get me wrong, Tony Stark's an inventor. Tony Stark should always be improving his armor, but the writer is always trying to change the concept of the armor, you know, and and make making it more esoteric as we go along. And so one of the things that I have felt for a long time about Iron Man is that we should find a reason for Iron Man to revisit older an older set of armor and you know be in that design not just for an issue or a panel which is what we typically see uh but you know for a story arc or longer and they do that in this book Mm -hmm. and i was really excited to see him be in an older suit of armor because you know all of these we we get very wrapped around uh, the edges in our storytelling technology um, and so it's all, you know, lit up, you know, with these with with the digital colors and whatnot. And I'm just like, you know, I just want to see his cool armor. I mean, my favorite my favorite Iron Man arm armor is the fins, you know, where the, his mask fins up. I, I love that armor. It is so it is so retro and cool. And you never get to see that kind of thing. And this is more like a Bob Layton era armor, which was always so cool. Um, I love seeing that in this book. So I, that alone made me happy about where this story was going. But Paul, you're the one who, uh, who, who, who kicked us off into reading Iron Man number one this week. Tell me, Paul, tell me what you thought. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, so is it, again, I'm not, you're probably gonna notice a theme here. It's not a new story. 
it's Tony Stark having some type of existential crisis and I need to change and I need uh-huh. to go back to basics or I need to, you know, sometimes we see the reverse, right? We see that I need to be the man of the future, you know, and, and we see every writer who comes into Iron Man seems to come in with the thought that the only, that Tony Stark has, I don't know, like Tony Stark is a confused person, right? Tony Stark uh-huh. doesn't know who he is, is essentially right. what every writer comes in with. And Christopher Cantwell, who's the, the, the one who brought me into this book, Christopher Cantwell, um, is the current writer on Doctor Doom. Uh, we enjoyed the, the first arc of that, so I thought, well, let me give this a shot. Um, the artist is Kafu, who I'm not familiar with, but has a very strong Salvador LaRocca sensibility mm-hmm. to him. Um, you know, very similar art styles. And so, you know, I, I, I this is Tony Stark essentially going through a midlife crisis, right? right. Um, you know, he feels like his job, like being Iron Man is thankless. He feels like he has lost touch with being a man of the streets. And so... That's what he's become. Um, that's what he's trying to become. But, you know, as much as rich super billionaires, superheroes do, um, you know, become yeah, a man of the Yeah, when was he ever a man of the streets? Right. Uh, so, you know, but he, he, he's trying to get in touch with that. And, you know, you see that in him uh, readopting the classic Iron Man suit, the Bob Layton type Iron God, Man suit. It's so pretty. It is. It's so pretty. And, you know, he's... I got it, excited when I saw him open up his briefcase. And I, <gasps> <laughs> well, and there's very much a formula for these books. In addition to Tony having an existential crisis, he needs a new Gal Friday in every volume. Whether it's Mary Jane or Pepper Potts, his new Gal Friday is Patsy Walker Hellcat. Hellcat! And so, you know, it, it, it's very much a, a formula. But I, for some reason, I really did enjoy this. And I think part of it was the fun. Uh, it was There's a lot of fun to it. There's a lot of humor, kind of like Thor number seven. And, you know, I while I did enjoy it a lot, I did have a moment in this book very similar to Batman 99. I was like, God damn it, Tony. How many times are we going to have this conversation? How many times are you going to ignore the guy at the party who's trying to get your attention about his big breakthrough? Well, maybe and that's he, going he hasn't be- seen Iron Man 2 yet. <laughs> or, or three or three. <laughs> oh yeah that like, was three yeah. i was like god damn it you know <laughs> yeah because it, it, it does read very much like a, an iron man movie right yeah. um you know it, it, this will probably have a six issue arc uh that'll feel like one long movie but i enjoyed it I did. I mean, oh, I there's I there's a, there's a repetitious nature to. We talk about this. There's a cyclical cyclical nature to comics in general, but in the three books, these three books from the big two, it felt more prevalent than ever. Um, you know, whether it's Batman, you know, apologizing for alienating people, Thor having you know a crisis with Mjolnir, or Iron Man having a crisis of conscience, we've seen it a thousand times before. It's really just you know new paint on on you know the same packaging kind of thing but so something new came from boom studios is that where you were going that yeah i, I was gonna I, yeah, yes <laughs> <laughs> something so, new something Tom different Taylor's seven secrets is fantastic fun are you, are you reading the cover no no oh i thought you were i mean that sounded like a like you were reading a quote from I something was no no I, I just, I, you know, I, I, it, it occurred to me that, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, consonants in this. So, you know, Tom Taylor's Seven Secrets, fantastic fun. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Wayne and I uh, and Paul. Uh, have been reading uh, Seven Secrets. Did you, did you read it this week, Paul? I read it. 
I, did. I can't believe. Wow, I'm I'm surprised. So uh, Wayne had to actually remind me. I I am really bad that I uh, fail to look at the Boom Studios new releases. Uh, I just I usually just skim right over because I'm like I'm not reading anything on Boom, yep. and you know I'm reading Seven Secrets and enjoying Seven Secrets. I just never remember that Seven Secrets comes from Boom Studios. So Wayne, since you had point on this one, tell us about it. Yeah, so we were we read the first issue a little while back, and it was kind of the setup for the main character of the series, his birth to uh, parents that guard one of the seven secrets, being these big mysteries of the book of what are the seven secrets. And so this issue, we get to see that child's growing up, you know, how he's sent away because his parents aren't allowed to be his parents, how they eventually come in and start training him. And you see the uh, all of the other trainers that he has. And he spends time in the third secret, which is apparently a place. I'm uh, I'm leaning towards aliens. I'm not saying yeah. it's aliens. <laughs> but, but, aliens. but I'm leaning towards it's aliens. And again, what I'm seeing in this book, just like the first issue, they're making me like the characters. It, Tom King is just doing this incredible job of building these characters as interesting characters. There's a lot of little action things happening, but it's more every character has a personality that is different from every other character. And you see traits in this kid that's growing up of both of his parents, but he is still his own character as well. You know, all leading up to him being a teenager and kind of being brought into this society. Yeah. And I'm loving this book. The the book is a first person narrative, and you know, so you've got uh, the kid who. What is this kid's name again? I don't I, remember. I I am just suddenly drawing a blank on his name. Casper, uh, but you no. know, he, yeah, Casper, Casper. Yeah, thank Cas- you. It is Casper. I was thinking Caprica, and I knew that wasn't right. Uh, so you know, Casper narrates this book, and he narrates it from you know the time he's born onward and he's he's telling it like he's telling you you know hey this is the story of my life and there is and i'm not going to spoil the the last panel the last page but tom taylor has a magnificent way of flipping a storytelling device on its head that i mean i i finished this book and went fuck yeah this i mean this book was uh so well told and, you know, we're still, you know, neck deep in the origins of Casper. Uh, but it's it's just such a fantastic origin story. We've got the story of his birth in issue one. We're getting the story of his training in issue two. Uh, him, you know, he was taken from his parents because of the way the order functions. His parents couldn't raise him. They weren't supposed to have a child. The you know leadership of the order were not being punitive. The reality was is that you just can't do your thing managing your secret and also be a parent. And so really the order kind of steps in and, and, and the order itself becomes Casper's parents and mentor. And I, I just – I love this book and I love that we didn't let the – parent the the biological parents just lie fallow you know that relationship uh we actually got to address it and i love how both the mother and the father both address it in different ways 
Yeah, and damn you, Tom Taylor, for making me feel feelings. Yes! In the first issue, we saw the father die. And we saw in his hands this bird that we didn't know what it was about. Yeah. We get the story of that bird and why suddenly that meant a lot. Because he gave his father that bird. And he knows... You know, he knows who his parents are. I thought all this time he was going to have no idea. Right. But he knows who they are. And he developed a relationship with his father through the training and through a conversation and gave him that bird that is sitting there in his father's bleeding dead hand. Yeah, there is a ton of feels in this book. Um, and it, you know, it continues from issue one into issue two. And I know we're just two issues into this story, but I already i the the stakes are high i you know you've connected with these characters and not just the main character but the characters around him um you've really got a sense of what's at risk and a lot of books don't communicate that well and you know tom taylor is painting in all the corners of this world he's building and you really feel like oh my god these things are important these things are valuable buck something bad is coming that puts all of this in jeopardy yeah. and I, I i'm really getting a kick out of it but paul wayne and i have been waxing on about <laughs> uh, tom taylor's seven secrets uh which thank i loved it i thought it was a great book i that and i enjoyed issue one I, and so i just i i like that we've changed the point of view to casper um i'm curious you know given the end it, you know when he says spoilers you know, it's strange to be the one to tell the story, especially because I don't make it to the end. In what way? You know, yeah. are we are we dealing with some type of supernatural ghost element? Like, how is he telling the story then? Or, you know, does he perhaps go a different path and doesn't see how it actually ends kind of thing? Like, I'm, I'm very curious, but it's, it's extremely well written. We're big fans yeah. of Tom Taylor here. Um, and I enjoyed, I, you know, I... I the the interaction between Casper and his parents there, there's just so much good here and it's it's a it's a there's a lot of action there's a lot of humor um, while also having a lot of heart so I, I'd say Seven Secrets I know Thor was your book of the week I'd say Seven Secrets number two was probably my book of the week yeah yeah it's a tough call between the two for me because I really love the Beta Ray Bill but I think Seven Secrets was probably my book of the week as well and part of it was seeing how the two parents interacted differently. The big tough guy that we already knew was more sensitive. He has a conversation with his son. The uh, his mom is all stoic and you know flat and doesn't and a ha- fucking badass. Yeah, doesn't have any emotional. <laughs> doesn't let him see any of it. Instead, goes to the kid that bullied him, kicks him in the nuts, and says, "If anything happens to you know to him." Whether it's you or not, I'm coming back and cutting your balls off. Yeah. It's like that is they're completely interacting in different ways. But you see within a couple of panels how much that their son means to both of them. It's just one of them has the ability to show it and the other doesn't. Yeah. It's a great book. It's a great book. I'm excited to see where it goes. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week is a surprisingly, uh, you know, lukewarm week in comic releases, I'll, I'll, I'll have to say. Not a ton coming out next week, so we'll, we'll see what we talk about. I mean, Maestro number two. I, if, I know you guys are, you know, enjoyed Ooh. Maestro issue one. 
But outside of that, not a ton of big new releases next week. Uh, so we'll see what we talk about. Or right. if we take a bye week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let us know what you think. Should we take the week off next week? Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And since we're not going to talk about it, you can let us know your thoughts about the big new X of Swords or Ten of Swords uh, crossover event from Jonathan Hickman and the X-Books starting next week with Ten of Swords Creation, Issue 1, uh, mm. because I'm sure as hell not doing it. Uh, you can <laughs> and leave us a comment on any of our social media channels, Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, guys. Well, we will do this all over again next week or the week after. You never know. You might <laughs> tell us, you know, hey, Aaron, Paul, Wayne, you guys need a day off. That might be what you tell us. We never know. But uh, whatever it is, we look forward to chatting with you whenever we chat with you again. Take care, guys. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.